So I'm just going to say some things that I think were missing from the New York date. First of all, it was not realistic without a mariachi band on a subway. <laughs> Where was the mariachi band following them around on the subway, first of all? The second thing that was missing was that no matter where they went, nobody was complaining that it smelled like urine. And there were no life-size rats, like human-sized, just like rats. Like, ooh, I'm here and I'm going to suck your toes. And when they went up to the bagel stand to get bagels, super cute, I love a New York bagel. There was no man catcalling Tasha outside the bagel stand while she was just trying to get her bagel in peace, which I didn't find to be personally realistic of New York. There would normally be a guy being like, hello, pretty legs. You want a bagel? Why are the men outside your bagel shop, Mario and Luigi? Hi, Emily. Hi, Kayla. We are back for two nights of this shit. Can you believe it? A double whammy episode right now. Like we are going to hit you with some hard truths and we're going to try to keep it under an hour. So Godspeed to us. So we'll just have to talk faster, but not lessen the content. Still be yelling (laughs) just quicker. This episode had the first episode, last night's episode. uh, So Monday night had some weird fucking structuring. I really was under the impression that last night was going to be hometowns and then tonight was going to be the men tell all, but they actually broke it up very weirdly. And last night was a continuation of last week. And then episode ends abruptly. We go into a pretty shortened men tell all. And then tonight's episode when we're recording on Tuesday was hometowns, quote hometowns at the La Quinta. Everyone was born and raised at the La Quinta. So basically this whole season has been 45 minutes long, but also nine years, but also like taken up half my life. So now we're at hometown somehow and nobody knows how. And my mom keeps being like, I don't even know how these people, like, what are these people like? And I'm like, I also don't know. I have no idea. So here we are. I just learned these guys' names. I literally just learned them. And so did Tasha. She just figured out the difference between Noah and Jason and then sent them both home. I like realized that I tweeted about Brendan, like, the first episode of the season and I didn't even know until tonight because I was like I forgot because I didn't know who anyone was until 45 minutes ago so we kick it off with Chris Harrison showing up at Tasha's room I to be honest forgot that Chris Harrison was gone because we never saw Jojo we saw her two times that was it it was like Chris was there the entire time I to steal your quote that we once used about Peter Weber Chris Harrison is a messy bitch who lives for drama because He shows up and immediately is like, so Bennett's, you sent Bennett home? Like knowing full damn well that he's sitting in a hotel room two doors down. You evil bitch, Chris Harrison. Tattoo that on my left ass cheek. (laughs) You evil bitch, Chris Harrison is the new name of this podcast. He's like, Bennett's gone. And she's like, maybe. And he's like, what? And she's like, he's not. He came back and he said he loved me. Then Chris Harrison says to her in one of the most staggering quotes from the episode, he says, You could end up with any of them and be really happy. Now, at this point, Blake Moynes is still in the game. He really was there for the clay penis debacle, clay penis gate. (laughs) And then he said... This man could make you really happy, Tasha, And he's he said it with his chest. He is an evil bitch and also a liar. We say Chris Harrison is the only man we trust, and it's not untrue, but his willingness to lie about Blake Moynes is honestly such a red flag. It's really, it's really disturbing. Speaking of Blake Moynes, then she goes on a one-on-one with Blake Moynes. I just wanted to come out on one thing before we get to it. So we see Blake leave, and the guys are sitting in their living room. 
And you can tell that sweet baby King Ivan has never watched the show before because he looks at the rest of the group and goes, well, he's either coming back with a rose or he's gone, which is, is always how a one-on-one works. But Ivan said it like it was the most staggering discovery. Like, well, if he doesn't come back with a rose, I mean. The producers like fed him that because they were like, you've never seen the show. Say this. So they do this weird kind of date where, um, It was actually kind of cool. I just didn't like that Blake got to be there for it. You know, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here at the La Quinta for date options, but they, they do this thing where they like view their chakras, which we see in a, in a blooper, not even a blooper. They highlight it at the men tell all that Blake had a raging erection during this, which is something that I literally could have lived my entire life without knowing. When I tell you I will feel sick for the next 10 years because I know this fact and I've seen it on camera, I'm not lying or exaggerating. Blake doesn't even get to the dinner portion. He doesn't. She's so like painfully not into him the whole time. It's like, he's like looking at her and like, I'm so invested. And she's like, okay, anyway. Basically my only note on this was I haven't been paying attention. I've just been thinking about how much I hate Blake. But this is where Tasha kind of throws me for curveballs because I said the same thing about Bennett. I was like, okay, she's painfully not into Blake. She's painfully not into Bennett. But then she had a really difficult time sending both of those guys home. She had a very strong reaction to sending Blake home. It was very confusing to me because I thought this entire time that she couldn't have been less into Blake. And I don't know if it was just kind of the enormity of realizing she was getting down to the wire and having to start to hurt guys' feelings more. I think that probably had more to do with it than Blake himself because she and Blake haven't talked since 1979. Like I've never seen a conversation between the two of them. So I think her sending him home was more just like, oh, he like really liked me allegedly. And it's really getting down to it where I'm, really, really affecting people. Then she says the second most disturbing thing that I heard during that episode. And she says, he's just such a good guy. And I just want to clarify that we were all there when he made the clay penis, right? Like, like he didn't make that in a separate room and they only showed us on camera. Like everybody was present. We all saw the clay penis, right? We also all see the way he shaves his beard, right? Like we are all aware of the way that he makes his chin extra pointy. And so I just... You outschmitted yourself with the way that you said that. (laughs) Like, I don't rag on people's appearances, but I do think he shaves his beard weird. Well, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because I had made a point before recording that I wasn't going to read everything that I wrote down or Tara would fire me. So one of the notes that I skipped over was that I wrote that Blake's beard is uneven and I chose to not read it because I thought that I would get fired, but now I'm happy that we're here. Honestly, Tara, fire both of us because that is the case. It looks bad and he needs to learn how to shape it. Take notes from any of the other guys with facial hair. They are all doing a great job. She sends Blake home, which we've known she was going to do since the moment she laid eyes on him. And she shows up at the guy's living room and she's crying. This has clearly really affected her. And Ben, Benny Wise, reaches over in a really sweet moment and just like rubs her back a little. So sweet. And then Zach C just very, like very plainly goes, Tasha, it's all right. <laughs> like Zach C couldn't have been like left upset to get rid of Blake he was just like Tasha, it's fine I think they were all like oh Blake went home word and I really do think this was a producer moment where they said you have to do something dramatic because you've been so unproblematic 
So she comes in, she says before she comes in, I know what I have to do. She enters the house with all the guys who are chilling because they're all in love with each other. So there's no issues. (laughs) The guys on this season actually kind of remind me of the way um, the guys on Caitlin Bristow's season used to get along where they were all just like fine with Caitlin not picking them as long as they could be best friends for the rest of their lives. They were like blood packed. We're going to be besties no matter what. Yeah. They're like, stop spitting on your hands. It's COVID. Stop. (laughs) So then she comes in and she pulls Riley. So we know immediately he's getting sent home and they have a really, really sad goodbye the kind of key takeaway of it is that she tells him to keep opening up. And he was like, I'm not closed off. I just didn't have enough time. And I love Tasha. So this is not me trying to judge Tasha at all. She acts like she knows these guys way better than she actually does. Like telling Riley, like, I don't want you to close off again. And he's like, dude, I'm not. I just didn't have enough time to tell you how I felt. Yeah, I, f- I just felt for him because I was like, he's getting sent home before a rose ceremony, before Noah and Bennett, which is why I think it was a producer decision because I think they wanted the drama of Noah and Bennett having to stand there together. Because like, there's no way she would have just gone and sent Riley home and not Noah or Bennett. Like, I, I just don't see that. And I just felt for him because it was like, it was so unnecessary for this to be its own moment. Right. But I, I argue that not only were they doing it to make Tasha look more dramatic, but I think they were doing it to give Riley a better edit. Yeah. If Tasha had already expressed to producers that Riley was going to go home in the rose ceremony, but producers knew that Riley might be a fan favorite, he might be whatever, they may have had her do the goodbye this way so that he would get a longer exit. Which he did, which he did. Noah's exit was 10 and a half seconds when he left after the rose ceremony. So I think that this shows that producers know that Riley is a contender for other Bachelor-related shows in the future, and they want to gear him up for that. I just felt for him because I felt like it was this big dramatic thing, and I was like, oh, I feel bad that it had to be this, like, you feel like you're not loved because you are, and, like, you're not the least liked or something like you're just they wanted the biggest cut for you because you're the best she cancels the cocktail party she says that she knows exactly what she wants to do which we hear a million times a season and every guy always acts like it's the most shocking thing they've ever heard that a lead would cancel the cocktail party and noah was like oh this is such a bummer meaning like noah is under the impression that one cocktail party would have saved him which is asinine that's ridiculous like Noah already, like we said last week, Bennett is eighth, Noah is seventh. Like they're just dangling by a thread here. Now, up until this point, the guys do not know that Bennett is attempting to come back. He basically just shows up at the cocktail party that isn't a cocktail party. In a suit that he looks great in, unfortunately. Like we hate to see him looking good, but he did. Like the suit was excellent, I must say. And that's where he and my ex-boyfriend differ. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where the good traits about Bennett end is like fashion sense. Great. Everything else? Okay. You know what? At least he has that, my friend. So Bennett comes in in a great suit and the guys are pissed to see him. And then we go into the rose ceremony and Ben is going in with a rose from his one-on-one from last week's episode. So the remaining roses go to Zach, Ivan, and Brendan, which means that Noah and Bennett are going home. It also means that we have the best top four that we've literally ever had on this show yeah this is the most iconic top four ever just chef's kiss all around so great this is the best four guys this is the four guys Kayla and I have been saying since the beginning on this podcast honestly trendsetters um we were manifesting because we've never had a top four this great where I was like if she chose any of them I would be like I love my life well we learned two important things one 
Bennett was brought back for absolutely nothing. She told him to come back and then she immediately sent him home after spending no additional time with him. So that was for nothing. And also the entire two-on-one was for nothing because she chose to send Bennett home instead of Noah. Noah got saved. Bennett came back. They both got sent home. Like the entire thing was for nothing. You should have just sent them both home on the two-on-one and we all would have been much happier. We could have been much more on schedule if they just would have been like, both of you are going home. Goodbye. Like, let's move on. Right. I, I don't understand. Again, I know it's production and not her, but it was it was painful to watch. And then Noah, you know what? I got to give him credit. And I stand by this statement that I made like three episodes ago or whatever, where I say that I think that Noah's actually a really good guy and they just had to edit somebody to be the villain. Because Noah's exit when he gets into the limo and he's talking and he's like, I'll make someone very special, feel very special and very happy one day. And that just wasn't Tasha. And he didn't say it in like a, oh, I'm trying to look good on camera kind of way. Like it was very sweet. It was very genuine. And I think that Noah is probably a perfectly fine person. And there just weren't villains on this season. We had to make somebody one. I think about, and I quote, often what we talked about when Sean was on where we were like I think Noah said one stupid thing and didn't think it would amount to everything it was and then it was it was blown up and it it blew up in his face and I'm not saying that's right and it's like you know what reflect on that do better next time but I do feel for him and I do think that he grew through this experience and I think he's right I think he will make someone very happy Noah call me if you hear this I can't believe the trajectory of this podcast has gone from us absolutely shitting on Noah to you being like, here's my number. So then we skip to the men tell all. Speaking of bad transitions, very abrupt. They're just like, and we're at the men tell all, which is actually one of my favorite episodes of the season because it is just an absolute barrage of the irrelevance. I love men tell all. Are you serious? When they show like the six guys and you have no idea who they are and you're like, I love this. What episode did you go home on two? I love men tell all. It is my favorite part of the season. Further proving that Chris Harrison is a messy bitch that lives for drama. But this year it was fine. Men tell all was okay. Yeah, because none of these guys are bad guys. Like that's the fact, even the ones that we shit on, they're all fine and that's why why the mental all was kind of boring. The biggest thing that the mental all gave us is that they re-aired the clip of Tasha getting out of the pool, which was very important to me. I did not know that that's what you were going to say, but like, yeah. I just think that Tasha is the most stunning person I've ever seen in my life. I said it on our first episode. I'll probably continue to objectify her, even though I know that it's wrong. She is the most stunning. She is the most sickening body. She is a Barbie doll. Like every dress she puts on looks better on her than the last dress she wore. I don't understand. She shows up and I'm, I'm literally always like, she looks beautiful. And my mom is like, you said that last time. And I'm like, am I wrong? The notable absences from the men tell all are Chasen. Easy is not present. Spencer is not. Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe. Oh my God. Right. Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe, the most heartbreaking absence, but I understand why Dr. Joe is like above it. Like I want to know what had Chasen booked. Dr. Joe is like, I'm an anesthesiologist and I'm busy, but the rest of them, what's your excuse? Chasen, what are you doing? And easy, I think was the most gaping absence. Um, And I have not checked his social media. I don't know if he spoke on it at all, but it does make you wonder if he was not invited to the mental all because of the allegations against him right now. It would not shock me. Yeah. I don't think he was invited. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't invited, but I, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. 
but we have the other guys. We have Jason, who we love. We love Jason was there. We have an appearance from Yosef. Horrifying, which is the worst thing I've ever seen on television. Ugh. He, he looks like a sociopath. Yeah, he looks terrible. So we have the mental all. We have most of the guys, like, and not too much of note happens. I mean, they show some of the drama. But lest we forget how the ball got rolling, we kick things off with Ed, who literally, I could have sworn he was reading from his hand, like roast material that he had written about Jason. Damar, like, evokes, not even, I don't even want to say like a sexual feeling, just like a warm and fuzzy feeling in my chest that like, I just trust him. It's like how I imagine I will feel eventually in like 30 years when I'm walking down the aisle. Looking at Damar. When I'm looking at my future spouse, I will feel the way that I feel when I look at Damar speaking. I feel like I just trust him. Like, I don't know. He just talks and I'm like, you're right. You're right. So my next note is that Bennett biting his glasses with his purple opera scarf around his neck made me feel celibate. And that is something that my ex-boyfriend would never do because he doesn't know what an opera scarf is, which is reassuring. The Noah Bennett thing has really had an interesting trajectory because when it first started, it was because Noah lied about something. And so we trusted Bennett for calling him out. We were like, okay, Noah lied about something. We trust Bennett. But then Bennett was so incredibly douchey to Noah about it for the next few episodes that we all ended up feeling bad for Noah because we were like, okay, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Like he lied one time. Let's get over it. But Bennett just kept being such a douche to him that we were all like, okay, I guess we like Noah now so we don't have a choice. And Chris was asking them about the drama. Noah was saying totally fine things. He was basically just like, Bennett, it's not an issue with like, I think you're a bad dude or anything. It's just like the way you talk to people isn't okay and blah, 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 blah. And, And the way that he said everything I thought was actually pretty eloquent. And, you know, for Bennett to come at Noah about emotional intelligence and then be sitting there rolling his eyes actively at everything that Noah is saying, I'm like... No, it was just off. I mean, everything that Bennett says at this point is just a point against him. We really, at this point, were like, honestly rooting for Noah because he he got done dirty. He got a really shitty cut. And I do, I do think he is maybe more immature than the rest of the guys. I don't think he was a great fit for Tasha. I don't think that he should be in the top four by any means, but I think he got a shitty cut. And I think he expresses himself so much better than we gave him credit for. And then Bennett, because Bennett is just out here like, ah, I love you. Like he doesn't know how to act. And it's so, it's so much more immature than... Noah, who's just living his life and trying his best. And I think that Tasha being a little bit older and kind of looking for a more mature man, there is nothing wrong with Noah's maturity level. Noah is the maturity level that he should be for a 25-year-old guy. There's nothing wrong with Noah or the way that Noah acts. No. That being said, Tasha is a little bit older. He's not a great fit for her. But the past however many seasons of The Bachelorette, we've had very young leads. In which case, Noah probably would have gone a lot farther. That's what I said. I was like, if we had a bachelorette who was 23, Noah would probably be fine. It's the way that we have a bachelorette who's a little bit older, who has more experience. Who's been married and divorced. Right. Like she's been through things. And I think Noah's experiences don't compute. Because when you look at the guys we have now, their experiences do match up with the ones Tasha has had in a way that you're like, oh, they're so compatible. I feel like they could be together forever because they've been through things. So that brings us to Yosef, king of garbage, entering the scene. He's entered the chat. Chris Harrison, 
I think very generously gave Yosef the opportunity to explain himself, explain the way that he was feeling, you know, because a lot of times we have people go on this show and they act a certain way and then they kind of see the public reaction to it and they do a little bit of reflection and then they come on the men or women tell all and they apologize. You know, we saw that with Victoria Fuller from Peter's season. Like she didn't realize that all the things she were doing, she was doing were so shitty, even though she should have realized because they were racist, but she didn't realize that the things that she was doing were so shitty until she kind of saw the public reaction. And then she came on the woman tell all and kind of fell on the sword a little bit, which is what you should do. Yosef, on the other hand, said, no, I turn up the volume. And then he double down on everything that he said to Claire. He legit, like Chris Harrison literally gave him a moment to be like, if someone talked to your daughter that way, would you be okay with it? And Yosef was like, if my daughter, I can't even say it, it's so gross. If my daughter acted in that way, then yes, I would want someone to call her out. Are you serious, dude? Like something is wrong with him. Something is wrong with his brain. Right. And and honestly, everything that he said to Claire was sick and disgusting and awful. And I appreciated all the guys who honestly maybe aren't even on great terms with Claire just because of the way her, her portion of the season ended. But all these guys were like, look, we're like free thinking individuals. If we didn't want to do it, we would have said we didn't want to do it. Like you weren't even on the date. Like why, why did you get to be our spokesperson when we didn't ask for you to, and it wasn't a reflection of how we were feeling. Honestly, with everything that he said to Claire being so disgusting and so awful, the thing that made me the most mad out of everything he's done was when he told Riley to shush. I almost jumped through my television screen and killed him. I actually hopped out of my seat and was like, no! He had the absolute audacity to say shush. Uh, no, bitch, no. And he had the audacity earlier with Claire to be like, I'm speaking. He's such a dickhole. What you have to say is not the most important thing in the room. Can we let other people speak? I hate that motherfucker. I really do. I just like think that there's something so like slimy about him and also just like his eyes. There's something just like very vacant there. It's very sociopathic and concerning. We do say like, don't bully these people. And I don't think you should bully him, but he is a piece of shit. And if you want to subtweet him slash tweet with his name, but not tag him, like I will retweet it. And he shits on not only Claire, but when the guys came to her defense and were like, we stood with this, he shit on them too. So it's like, you're a misogynist and you don't believe anyone is right except yourself and you are not protecting anyone except yourself. That includes your child. Yosef being so shitty does give our king, Jason, the opportunity to yet again be a good dude. Jason is just such a stand-up fucking guy and I totally respected the way that he left because of his feelings for Claire, but I wish that Tasha had gotten the chance to meet him because he's a really fucking good dude. No, I love Jason. My mom literally last night was like, "I if Jason were the bachelor, I would be thrilled." And this moment that we are about to describe is groundbreaking. He's trying to talk and Yosef tries to interrupt him and he said, "Shut the fuck up, Yosef." And I said, uh, Jason for Bachelor. <laughs> Jason for Bachelor. I love him so much. The thing that I wrote down, Joseph saying that he has no regrets about the situation and Riley jumping in and saying, ladies, watch out for this man. And I appreciated it because so many guys, even the douchey ones come off the show, like fucking Luke P from Hannah Brown season came off the show and got a girlfriend. Like truly anybody can do it. 
just because they were on The Bachelor. I appreciated Riley kind of calling attention to that a little bit and being like, this guy is going to get laid because he was a contestant on The Bachelorette. Ladies don't fucking do it. He sucks. Once again, Riley is king. So Chris Harrison gives Yosef a golden opportunity and he even acknowledges it. He says, I don't do this often. Oftentimes when contestants see how negatively they are received um, when the show airs, they want to get on the men or women tell all and kind of explain themselves and apologize and do the thing and whatever. Chris gives Yosef a golden opportunity where he basically says, dude, like I'm going to give you one chance here to apologize to Claire, to apologize for the way that you spoke to her or whatever. And he was like, I, I won't, like, I won't apologize to her. And Chris is like, okay, well, thanks for coming. Bye, bitch. And that's that's the end of Yosef. Yeah, he's like, I hate women and I don't take it back. And we're like, great, you seem awesome. I would love to introduce you to my parents. And we go into the cuts of the saddest goodbyes, which we have Blake's goodbye, which for some reason was sad. I thought we were, she, they literally said one of the most heartbreaking goodbyes. And I was like, <gasps> Riley, I'm not ready. And then they were like, it's Blake. And I was like, oh, I don't want to watch that. So I looked away. And there must be... I know that we said this about Noah too. We were like, okay, there's gotta be stuff about Noah that they're choosing to not air because you know, whatever. I feel kind of the same way about Blake because the other guys in the house all had decently nice things to say about Blake, except for Spencer calling him an infomaniac. But it just, I feel like there's stuff of Blake that we must not see because the guys in the house spoke pretty highly of him. Tasha found it very difficult to say goodbye to him and she seems like a good judge of character. So I feel like there is stuff of Blake's personality that we were not privy to because all we saw was that he was like weirdly DMing Claire before the show started. Then he immediately switched his focus to Tasha. Then he made a penis out of clay and said that it reminded him of Tasha, And that's all we saw. Yeah. And then they had the one-on-one, like it was like literally years went by. And then we get into the real heartbreaking shit with Riley. Yeah, this one hurt my feelings. I was very sad to watch it. Um, I was sad to watch him go originally, like when she said the actual goodbye. And then they were like, watch it back an hour later. And I was like, I'm not ready. I hate when they do that shit. It's my least favorite thing that the show does. We watch something and then one hour later, they're like, in case you forgot your feelings were hurt here. <laughs> they were like, it just happened, but watch him cry again. I was like, no. So it was so sad. I hated watching it for the second time and the first time. I tweeted multiple times, I would die for Riley. The bit from Inside Out said, I would die for Riley. And I meant every word of it. I would die for Riley. He is so sweet. The thing with him is he did nothing wrong. He is perfect in every way. It just wasn't the connection that Taisha was looking for. Who was the person that called Kenny out for being a One Direction boy band manager? Noah calls out Kenny for being a One Direction boy band manager, which honestly, with Kenny's outfit decision, which was all camo suit with a hoodie, is a fair observation. That's not the issue that I took. The issue that I took was, was the last time Noah listened to music in 2011? Why was the first boy band that came to Noah's mind one direction that has been broken up for a considerable amount of time we don't know what the truth is on this but we'll look into it yeah jury's still out on that (laughs) 
Okay, guys, one of our favorite parts, highlighting some small businesses that we love. And one of them this week is Renhouse Atelier, a scented soy candle company based in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. This local company handcrafts and hand pours high quality candles in a variety of scents and sizes. They are completely vegan, all natural, and all their components are made in the USA, right down to the wicks. Plus, soy wax burns longer, has a strong throw, and maintains a clean burn, making them safe for animals, babies, and those sensitive to strong fragrances. Renthouse candles come in four sizes, from 8-ounce tins to up to 16-ounce mason jars, so they fit right in with your home decor. Renthouse also offers handmade gift boxes with candles and soaps from another local small business. Head to their website at renhouse-atelier.com, so that's W-R-E-N house-A-T-E-L-I-E-R.com to shop or to see where they sell at local shops and follow them on Instagram at renhouseatelier. Again, that's W-R-E-N house-A-T-E-L-I-E-R. Basically, we launch ahead into hometowns, which started off the second night's worth of content. I actually thought this was pretty cute the way they handled hometowns. Chris tells them, tells the guys that their families are on the property getting COVID tested and quarantining. And he asks them to plan a date on the property of the La Quinta that captures the essence of their hometown. Which I thought was cute because something that I think the show actually lacks during not COVID times is... The contestants never really get to plan dates. The the lead doesn't even really plan them. It's all production that plans them. And I think it's so much more heartfelt knowing that these guys chose to highlight certain parts of their hometown and kind of plan it themselves. And obviously they had productions help with getting certain things, but I thought that it, it made it, I think, more sweet and more sentimental that the guys actually got to plan the date. Yeah, it was really cute. Like, I really liked all the dates. I was like, this is so adorable. I would love that. So basically, Chris tells us that Zach's mom and dad and brother are there. Ivan's parents are there. Ben's sister is there, to which Ben says, she's my favorite person in the whole world. And I got misty-eyed because if my brother were on this show and they were like, Kayla's here, he'd be like, Kay. (laughs) And then they don't even say who's going to be there for Brendan. They just go, Brendan, you're going first. And then he's like, okay. And then they're like, oh, and your brother and his wife and your niece are here. And he's like sick. His brother raised him and like was his father figure. And he's like getting emotional. And I'm like, okay, something I never wanted to see is Brendan cry because I will cry if I see Brendan cry. (laughs) Also, I don't know what guy said this because I looked down to take a note and then I looked up and just heard it. But one of the guys said, yo, can I get some hugs around here? to the other guys yes and they all started hugging and they were so cute like when brendan was getting emotional they showed ben looking at him just like also emotional i just feel like this top four genuinely likes each other which we don't get we get a lot of drama we get a lot of resentment and I just felt like the four of them were like let's hug it out like I just love you guys so cute the exact quote of yo can I get some hugs around here I was obsessed. I loved it. Yeah, it it ruined me. So Brendan goes first. They have this little carnival date. It's really cute. And we meet Brendan's niece, who is just a little cutie pie. And Taisha seemed to really hit it off with her. And she, that you know that this like 12-year-old girl was fucking living for the fact that she was on The Bachelor. She was like, Taisha, I'm your biggest fan. I loved you on Paradise. Like they were having a great time. 
Yeah, this 12-year-old girl is like, wait till I go to the eighth grade and tell them that I was on The Bachelorette. What I loved about all the dates in general with Tasha is she it always felt sincere that she was so excited to meet these people. Like no matter who it was, whether it was Brendan's niece or Ivan's brother or, you know, Zach's parents, like she always felt so, so excited to meet them. And it, it really did feel very sincere. And overall, just in general, Brendan's family seem like sweet angels. So Emily, if it doesn't work out with him and Tasha, I think they'd make great in-laws to you. I've actually said like, Brendan is my top pick for me. I think I should marry him. No, but I love Brendan. I think that this date showed that he is father material that he is husband material like he showed that he is everything she is looking for she has said she wants kids like she said all these things and and meeting not only the niece but then they go on to meet his brother and his sister-in-law and it's just so open and she's like do you think brendan is ready and his brother is like five years ago i wouldn't have said yes right now yes like he is ready for this also his sister-in-law queen what a queen queen queen. i literally was watching her and i was like i'm in love with her i think (laughs) his sister-in-law is a down bitch like you know that she is a ride or die homie like she is so cool again like she ran to her happy hour with her friends and was like look at me on the bachelor like you could tell that she knew what was going on like just like his niece they always do this where they start out with like the most lighthearted and least problematic hometown and then they trickle down into like so they started out with brendan who is like perfect sweet angel his family is perfect sweet angels you meet them and you're like i love him his brother is like the most wholesome being it was just great they did he it was great and brendan is very aware of how he feels he's very open about it at this point loved it so then we move into zach c's date um who does new york city as his hometown date it was a fine date it was very cute they rode around in these fake little taxis again i find that a little bit unrealistic who's paying for taxis in new york when uber exists and it's much cheaper i understand we're trying to save the yellow cabs but at what cost Right. You would definitely call a lift, but okay. He taught her how to hail a cab, which was like cute, but also unrealistic. We'll get past it. And then I noted that he's telling Tasha that he's going to meet, she's going to meet his parents, all this stuff. And I have to like take a second and bring myself back to meeting my partner's family. To have to meet four families, like four sets of people that you have to do the weird, like, I'm dating your son, please like me thing with. Like, that's got to be the worst part about being the lead on this show because meeting someone's family for the first time is a nightmare. It's so scary. And then you have to meet three more. If I were the lead of this franchise, I would be drunk for the entire hometowns week. I would not be sober one time. Zach's family honestly seems great. They were definitely editing them to seem a little bit more skeptical than Brendan's family. Cause like you said, we have to start at the best one and kind of move down. I thought that everything that they were asking was totally legitimate. Like Zach's brother asking her like, where does Zach stand in terms of your other relationships? And Tasha's like, well, I'm falling in love with Zach. And he's like, okay, but you didn't answer the question. Like he called her out, which I appreciated. And they all just seemed like very level-headed people. Yeah, but his parents were like the sweetest little dream people. They were like- I just like the way that you guys connect. I've never seen Zach this happy, like sweet little angels. Speaking as two girls with anxiety and depression disorders, I'm not here to judge any of these men, but I think that every single one of them has depression because every single one of their families, every single one of their families was like, I've never seen him smile. (laughs) They literally were like, wow, he's never been happy before. What did you do? I, I'm again, I'm not judging, you know, as two girls deeply afflicted with anxiety and depression disorders, it's not a judgment. It is simply that they are like us. I wrote down two things about Zach's parents. Um, one, 
Zach's dad seems like the most precious man. Um, and he reminds me a little bit of my grandpa. I was like the way they were talking and stuff. And so I was like, oh my God, I love Zach's dad. And second of all, um, him talking to his mom made me really like emotional because he basically looks at her and says that he would not be alive if she had not been so there for him and stuff like that while he was struggling with his drug addiction and all the stuff that he's kind of previously opened up about. I think all of her top four men, like we said, they all have clinical depression, but they're all very in touch with our emotions, which I love. You know, Ben was very open about talking about everything that his sister's done for him. Ivan was very open about talking about his brother. Zach is talking this way to his mom. Like they're all very in touch with the people that are important to them. And it's really nice to see. Zach's mom and Tasha got along so well too. And it was like this really like beautiful connection where his mom was just like, I just, I'm so happy. And it was, it was great. His parents were so pure, which we love. So we move on from Zach's date and we go to Ivan. Ivan and Tasha in my brain are already married. So they go to this date. First of all, he is so considerate because he's like, we're going to do our date indoors. And I was automatically like, ah, you are my favorite. Because what we learned about Ivan during this is that he is a sweaty king and he did not want to be out in these 99 degrees Palm Springs days. So he orchestrated a nice little air conditioned cooking date for them, which is exactly what I would do. And it's exactly what we needed. Like we just watched the other two contestants sweat their literal dicks off. So I don't want to watch that again. Ivan said, we're going to cook inside. I said, you're the choice. They had a time. They cooked, they drank wine. It was really, really sweet. They, they watched a cooking tutorial of his niece, his little sweet niece who taught them how to cook and then they cooked. Which brings us to the point that Ivan's four-year-old niece is a better cook than me. She was literally teaching them how to cook things that I don't know how to cook. My mom was like, oh my God, that's dad's favorite food. And I said, we've never cooked it. And she was like, yeah, I don't know how. They danced, they drank their champagne. They were having a great time. I literally was like, I am watching a married couple right now. This leads me to the most important note that I took during this entire episode, which is who is Tasha's dentist? I would like to be connected to them. I will fly to California if that's what it takes. COVID be damned. I'll get on the plane and go to California because whoever her dentist is, is doing incredible fucking work. Give them the award. Like they, her teeth are unreal out of this world. She's smiling so much with Ivan. That's how we know. (laughs) They're having a smiley, smiley time. And we're like, who does your teeth? That also brings me to, you're bringing up a lot of important points about their relationship, which is all fine and good. And I'm only objectifying Tasha, but I'm going to do it one more time. She has literal Disney princess eyes. Oh yeah. Her eyes are like Rapunzel big eyes. And I just, I've never met a human like that. No, I haven't met Tasha either. So it's, I haven't met a human like that. So they go from this portion of the date, which is like so pure and beautiful to the next portion of the date, which is also so pure and beautiful. And they meet Ivan's parents. And Ivan was like, oh, I just like really wish my brother could be here. But like, I'm so happy my parents will be here. But like, I wish that Tasha could meet my brother. So you go, she meets the parents, Tasha and Ivan's mom are like coordinating outfits, which is like so beautiful. They're both wearing like satin silk. And I'm like, okay, did you guys text before this? Did you guys text each other? I just want to point out that everyone, Ivan, his family, Brendan, his family, are all sweating their asses off this entire time, like sweat dripping down their faces. And Tasha shows up in a silk long sleeve dress. The woman doesn't even have sweat glands. What's wrong with her? I 
or what's right with her. I don't know. I was literally like, Ivan has buckets dripping off of his forehead this entire time. His shirt at one point was like soaked through with sweat. Tisha is wearing an orange silk long sleeve dress and nothing. I was disgusted because I was so jealous. I can't even walk around my apartment without sweating. And we live in Connecticut. We live in Connecticut and we're like, I'm so sweaty always. So Tasha never sweats basically is what we learned. And she meets his parents. They're so pure, so sweet. The dad is like, I've been married before too. Like, I just want to make sure you've learned like, you know, I just want to know what you've learned from that marriage. It's like so beautiful. It's like such a like wonderful connection that the two of them have. And then they basically cut to Ivan being like, I just, I'm so happy she met my parents. I just really wish my brother was here again. And then his brother walks in and I cried. I was like, why are you trying to make me emotional right now? It was like so sweet, so beautiful that he shows up. You could tell how much it meant to Ivan that he was there. And, um, you know, as you know, not that Ivan's brother is defined by his, his past or anything like that, but we did obviously learn a couple episodes ago that Ivan's brother spent some time in prison during which Ivan really had to step up to the plate and help raise his brother's daughter. So his niece who we saw earlier. So I think part of that connection is that they have spent time apart. And so the time that they get together is so special to both of them. And it was really, really beautiful to see them both get so excited about it. And the way that they spoke about each other was so sweet and awesome. And it was really, really cool that he was there. And they cut to his brother having a conversation with Tasha, in which he's just like, your chemistry seems natural. It just seems like, like how it should. And basically, I mean, the same thing that he says to Ivan and their personal one-on-one time. Um, but it just, it felt so important to Ivan. And that's what like meant so much to him is like having his brother there and being able to be like, this is the girl that I'm in love with. And also... Also, I think it meant a lot to his brother too, because there's the point where Gabe and Ivan are talking and Gabe says like, oh, it feels weird. Like the role being reversed, like I get to be here for you for once. And so I think it was something really special to both of them um, that he was there. Ivan and Tasha then have such a great goodbye. Another great hometown date. Then we move into Benny Wise, our sweet angel. Our sweetie, our sweetie pie. He is the most Venice Beach person ever. I know that- in every sense, I love a mediocre white man. But Ben is like really the first one. He's not mediocre. I just think that Ben, it's it's obvious that Ben would be my pick, like of the four. Like I feel like Ben is is very considerably my type. But this all just like very much solidified it for me. Like he was so sweet and their whole date in Venice Beach was so sweet or quote Venice Beach at the La Quinta was so sweet. And and even though the beginning, I was like, okay, he's trying to do too much. They're like rollerblading, they're shopping. There's a lot happening. Then they just kind of chilled out by the pool and got to talk and stuff. And it was really sweet, really cute. It was a very sweet date. My only thing with the date is that I feel like I like, laughed and smiled a lot more with the other three and I feel like this date was very sweet but I didn't feel like it brought the fun which yeah the, the only reason I say this is because we know Tasha from other seasons and we've seen her type which is like funny <laughs> and so with Ben I just felt like it was less like fun laughing which is not a bad thing based on this date I was not like Ben sucks like I think he's great I just well also I think the thing about Ben and we will get into it as we get into what happens with Ben later this episode um I think that Ben 
is a slow burn for sure. And those types do not necessarily do well on this show because it is such an accelerated environment. And I think, you know, from following like Ben on Instagram and stuff, he's super funny. Like his stories are really funny. His posts are really funny. I think that he is a really funny guy. I think the problem is, you know, like he's, he was very honest with her on their one-on-one and he said like, you know, between my upbringing and joining the army and all of that, I was very much taught to not feel a lot. And so I think that Ben is still kind of learning those parts of himself and to have to, in two weeks, basically, since his one-on-one, he had his one-on-one and then hometowns, like he's basically had to, the system that this show operates under is trying to make him say, oh, I'm in love with you after two weeks. And Ben very much seems like a slow burn. And I think it's unfair to like, We'll get in, we'll get into more of it. I just think some people were like, I just don't think her connection is as strong with XYZ. And I disagree. I think her connection with all four of these guys was so strong. Right. I just don't think Ben was able to confront and express it as much. And that's not his fault because of the timing, because of the way that the show works. It's so not his fault. Yeah. But I don't think it's not really fair to blame any of the guys. I mean, any of these guys going home would have been heartbreaking. Right. I can truly picture him with her with any of the four. All of the guys are great. I mean, she's, she's, uh, has the best top four of all time. I mean, she's going to end up with a great guy no matter what happens. This is like the opposite of dating app dating. Like she has all incredible men that she has to choose from. She doesn't have to like weed through shit and find one. Their date is really cute. Ends by the pool. Then we go into the family portion where we're going to meet his sister who he has been very open is the most important person in his life. So he's very excited to see her and their close family friend, Antonia. So yeah, it's not that he had a bad hometown. He really didn't. The problem was that that every other guy, and this actually does happen every season. It really does. There's always one person that can't say, I love you after hometowns. And it's like the biggest deal to the lead that this person can't say, because it's usually someone they're very interested in. Otherwise they wouldn't get upset about it. Tasha's like waiting for Ben to say something and he's not, and he's nervous and he's whatever. And they're standing outside his, his place. And they have a very awkward goodbye because it's clear that Tasha is waiting for him to say something and he's not saying it. And I think this is why I say that Ben doesn't thrive under these circumstances because it is a very unnatural setting. Like in any relationship in the real world, you say, I love you when you feel ready to say, I love you. You're not put under this weird time constraint of like, I have to tell her I love her or she could break up with me tonight. It's super weird to feel like you have to say it. And he did say it to Antonia. He was like, I'm in love with her, but he wasn't able to say it to Tasha. And like, unfortunately, like that's where it counts. And so it was, I felt so bad for him because I was like, you feel these things. Like, I just want you to be able to say it. And he wasn't. Right. And this actually reminds me, this harkens back to earlier in the season when Taisho was upset with him because he didn't pull her out of the group and talk to her. And he was like, I was trying not to be rude or be obtrusive or whatever. I think Ben is very comfortable being um, subtle and he's very comfortable being, he's not a very bold seeming person to me. And I think that that is a quality that Taisha is looking for and it's just not who he is. And that's fine. I think he continuously is just kind of falling a little bit short in that category. Right. I think as much as we personally like love Ben and like, I say this about Brendan, I like love these guys so much, but but not every guy that we love is a pick for Tasha. Damar is an example. Riley's an example. Like all of these guys are so great. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's who her soulmate is or who she's going to marry. That being said, in case you haven't figured it out by now, Ben goes home. 
like, <laughs> as if we haven't like we were like dancing around it we were like shall we say it not yet shall, should we say it now no 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 we get to the rose ceremony it comes down to brendan and ben and she gives the rose to brendan at the end and then we got a very confusing goodbye because it is clear that Tasha is super into ben it is clear that she had this expectation that he was going to say that he loved her and that he didn't. And when they walk out, he very much clams up because she just broke up with him in front of all the other guys, A, and B, on national television. So for all Ben knows, she's just not that into him. And then they walk outside of the rose ceremony and she's again waiting for him to say it. And he doesn't. And this time I don't blame him for not saying it because it's like, you just decided to break up with him. Like, why is he going to now be like, but I love you. Like, he's not Bennett. Like, he's not a loser. I think it's an unrealistic expectation to put on him that you just broke up with him on national television after he let you meet his sister, who he has proclaimed is the most important person in his life. And then you expect him to be like, but I love you. Like, no. She was crying more over Blake going home than Ben, which was crazy because she obviously felt stronger for Ben. Like, obviously, like Blake was just a, a cardboard box. Sorry, not to revert. Anyway, so she she's saying goodbye to Ben and it's something that, that normally would be so emotional, but I do think she was expecting him to say, I love you. And it's like, well, he's not gonna say it now. Like he has to go, he has to move on. And it's not healthy for him now to say, I love you. And I think before this happened, he was also unable to open up. So I don't think that she's in the wrong. I just think at this moment, it was not the moment to expect him to suddenly open up. I feel very similarly about Tasha and Ben that I did about Hannah Brown and Tyler C in the sense that I think they did have a great connection. I think there obviously was a physical connection there. There was an interest there. And I say the same thing about Hannah Brown and Tyler C because I think that if Hannah Brown and Tyler C had met in the real world outside of the context of this show, they would have immediately hit it off and probably would be a great couple. But I just think it's a relationship that under the restraints of this show could not flourish the way that it would in the real world. So basically Ben goes home at the end of the episode, which means that next week we have another two night thing fantasy suites in the finale and then we're done and then we have a two-week break and then it's Matt James I actually don't rule out that Ben comes back and the only reason I say that I don't rule it out is because the preview of next week is very choppy looking and we know that the bachelor producers are notorious for editing things that simply don't happen because they want to tease us for the next week's episode. But she keeps saying like, I don't know what to do. I can't believe it, blah, 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 blah. And they keep cutting to Zach, but it's very clear that that interaction doesn't line up. Like she's not talking about Zach. They're just editing it that way to confuse us. And I really think that production gets Ben to tell her how he feels about her. And I'm not sure if that's the right or the wrong decision, but I'm not ruling it out. No, I don't rule it out either. The only reason that I would question it is that they haven't shown Tasha opening a door and physically saying, what are you doing here? Which normally they do when someone comes back. But I do think it's very possible that he will come back. Uh, the other thing I will say is that I do think the top two will be Ivan and Zach. Um, and I don't think that Ben, regardless of whether he had stayed or gone this week, would be top two. See, I disagreed my original prediction was that Ivan and Ben were going to be top two. Which I actually think was, would have been my original. However, I do think Zach C has had such a cut where he seems like such a husband. I do think that regardless of what happened tonight, I do think that whether it had been Brendan or Ben, 
Ivan and Zach would be the top two. The last thing I want to touch on is that um, I know that we are typically a spoiler-free podcast, and the good news is that Reality Steve just doesn't know what's going on, so we will remain a a spoiler-free podcast. Reality Steve has one job, and it's to spoil The Bachelor, and he he's losing resources. I don't know what's going on with reality, Steve, because he posted, I believe his initial prediction was that Zach C and Ben were the top two and that she does not choose Ben. She chooses Zach C. They get engaged and don't work out. Like only a day ago, he posted that Ben goes home after hometowns, which basically he found out a day before we did whatever. So he, he says that Ben's going home. And then he very candidly in a post says that he doesn't know what happens at the end now, because then he got sources that the top two were Zach C and Brendan and that she chooses Zach C, but it doesn't work. She goes back to Brendan. They're now dating. So he has no idea what the fuck is going on. Um, he's another messy bitch that lives for drama. Okay, I have to talk about one of my favorite businesses of all time. Button Rings and Things makes the most beautiful jewelry ever. I'm seriously obsessed with it. They make the perfect gift for the holidays for anyone you may be looking for a gift for. They have so many different styles available. Go check them out on Instagram at Button Rings and Things. Their Etsy shop link is in their bio. You will not regret this. You will probably become obsessed as I have. And your entire jewelry collection will just be earrings from Button Rings and Things. And you know what? I love that for you. He is a messy bitch who lives for drama. This is a perfect segue is that he interviewed Tasha's ex-husband this week. Oh yeah. Now we're moving into the Bachelor Nation news segment because disgusting. Perfect segue. So basically all that happened was that Tasha's ex-husband, as we know, she has been married to someone who seems quite horrible. He decided that he was tired of being talked shit about on national television, even though he seems shitty. So it seems like oh, that's your due. So he decided to go on Reality Steve's podcast and basically just gave an interview. I did not listen to the interview because I quite literally could not listen to his voice, but I did read the synopsis, which essentially was him going on and saying, basically, she, like when she went on the show originally on Colton season, he was like, haha, whatever, like laughed it off. And then she went on this season and basically he said, in her mind, I cheated. And then 10 seconds later, he said, and he admitted that he cheated. He was saying that like, he didn't feel supported in their marriage and all this stuff. But basically it was just so tacky because he basically claimed to be someone who doesn't want the press and someone who doesn't want the attention. And he went on this podcast. So it was very attention seeking, very horrible. You're tacky and I hate you, Josh Burrell. Basically what we've garnered from this is that if you are a messy bitch that lives for drama, don't make it so obvious by going on Reality Steve's podcast. Pick a different podcast. Everyone in Bachelor Nation is a thirst monster. They all have podcasts. Choose any one of them and it will look less offensive than going on fucking reality steve's podcast so with that said we hate him he is tacky he doesn't matter anymore because he's not her husband and she's about to get a great new husband out of these top three men and we are so excited to see what happens next week please tune in 
thank you so much for tuning in this week. We love you so Leave much. Leave a review. Unless it's negative, in which case we will delete it. And we have some fun stuff coming up next week for the finale that we will be announcing on our Instagram this week. So please go follow it if you do not already at Don't Insult My Podcast. So that way you'll know when we're doing it. Love you so much. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.